Are we ready to rock? No, we didn't didn't give away the secrets at that time. It was back in February, so pre-COVID. Ah, uh, the good old days. Mm-hmm. Good old days. <laughs> back when we go to bars and <laughs> life was normal. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back here with uh, Cheddar and Carissa. Which, um, by the way, Cheddar, I keep mentioning your your, your nickname. Yeah. But it's your name. Yeah. Um, but you know, Rob has mentioned well, what kind of name is Cheddar. So. Real quick, give, if you don't mind, give if the Rob etymology. Saw my orange afro, it would all be self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a ginger, and a good friend of mine gave me the nickname uh, a while ago, Cheddar, Cheddar McSpracken. <laughs> and that was based on my orange hair and my ability to jump a dirt bike and a snowboard. <laughs> so that was the full nickname that was given to me. And more people know me by Cheddar, I think, now than they do by Chad. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chad, who wants that's pretty plain. So I, I like Cheddar, it's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we are actually sitting in um, your dream that has come true. Um, you want to explain a little bit? I, I mean, I've been trying to say that this is like a grow house, yeah. or, you know, a, a, a horticulture plant. I don't know exactly. Yeah. What would you call this place that we're sitting in and, and maybe give a little bit of backstory of, of what we're doing here? Well, it's a few things. Uh, the majority of it is considered a cultivation facility. But since we also hold a production license in addition to the cultivation license, that gives us the ability to refine cannabis, cannabis products, make edibles, oils, tinctures. Uh, basically kind of gives you the um, the boundaries to do more than just cultivate because they are actually separate licenses under uh, Nevada's laws. So in addition, like I said, to the growing, we have a, a lab that houses our CO2 extraction equipment and then a kitchen where we can produce um, said edibles and products. What kind, what's the, what's the difference? Like what sets you apart from any other cultivation operation? I think for us, Chris and I have always um, tried to be as clean as possible when growing. And when you have the ability to bring growing indoors, you have the ability to really get your arms around a lot of uh, potential problems. In addition to uh, introducing things that are basically giving plants what they need and want and nothing else that they don't. So it kind of gives us the ability to really keep things high and tight as far as cleanliness. But beyond that, it also gives us the control to manipulate how a plant grows from start to finish, when we want a plant to start to flower. Um, so it, just, it basically just gives you, you know, the ability to really fine tune that growing style or skill 
and it also helps the plants reach their full genetic potential. If you can eliminate interfering things such as pests or, you know, let's take something we've had outdoors, smoke from all these fires. If you have the ability to kind of, you know, not have those show up randomly like they do in nature, then you can really, you know, uh, observe your data and really fine-tune your skills and, and try to maximize that genetic potential that these plants can offer if they've been given everything that they need. Speaking of control, I know that just because, you know, we're buds, we also, <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of an insight of how high-tech this place is. Yeah. Um, how did you come about, I mean, you probably started growing out in your backyard, right? Yeah. And so what, what steps and how long did it take for you to get to this point? I mean, to, to have all of this... We're not going to get too far yeah. in depth into the, the tech stuff because you got to have your, you know, your secret, uh, your secret, uh, you know, your proprietary information. But yeah. um, I mean, I'm just looking at the plans here of, of the design of this building we're sitting in, and it's just it's massive. Yeah. Where? How did you get all of this tech, like these techniques, and how did you hone in on on getting the optimal amount uh, out of the plant genetically? In the beginning, for me, learning to grow. Um, stemmed from my mom and dad. We had a garden back in the day in Placerville. And so growing food, you know, I could kind of observe how it worked in general. And then once I got into growing cannabis, again, it was observing, you know, the cycles from summer to fall and flowering to, you know, finished product. And just seeing kind of that interaction between the plant and the environmental factors that were surrounding it. And then over time, I went to indoor cultivation and found that you could, you know, manipulate those same things that I kind of learned out in nature there um, to kind of fit wherever you were at at the time. And so from there, you know, obviously reading books, going online, watching videos and learning from other growers and chats and things like that where you could, you know, reach out, get info and basically just kind of build off one another's knowledge as far as fine-tuning your own particular skill. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest thing for me, the biggest takeaway was the amount of styles there are that you can grow from soil outdoors to greenhouses to indoors to growing mediums like what we run now with rock wool, which is basically a inert, clean, sterile environment for a root zone to form. And again, that kind of starts you out with knowing what's in that block before you even begin your plant. So that's kind of, um, in a nutshell, kind of how I learned my technique and refined it. And I think the hardest thing as a grower is to have an open mind to another style or more input. Everyone tends to think, oh, I'm doing this this way and, and my stuff's the best and you can't tell me, oh, that's going to change this, that, or the other. But the more open-minded you are, the quicker you will understand that you don't know everything and that only leads to a better final product in the end. So getting rid of that and, and like I said, having an open mind and learning from others and always being open still today mm -hmm. to input from other growers is, is kind of key to being successful. It's almost like the, the environment that 
marijuana has created has always been communal. It's almost like it's a, it's a collective of, of everybody bringing their ideas together, which is so hippie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not all about getting high, right? Like, no. there, there's, this isn't, you guys aren't just doing this for the, the cheap thrill of it. Um, there's a lot of purpose and meaning behind it. So before we get into the building and checking out all the, the inner workings and seeing the plants themselves, um, tell us a little bit why you did this. Why, why are we sitting in this, this massive building in Nevada where the green rush is just booming, it seems? We're, we're here because we've been blessed with an opportunity to help other people. And, and I'll get to the, the main you know, reason why we were able to pull this off. Um, but I'll start first with kind of my own story of how I got into cannabis. Um, back when I was young, I used to have to get weekly injections for allergies. As you're aware, we grew up in the same area. And so um, that, that elevation definitely lent itself to uh, allergic reactions, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I also had asthma as a kid. So I would come home from school and crash out on the couch until dinner time every single day because the effects or side effects of you know, these injections were so bad that it kind of left me you know that that's my was my only way to like kind of you know deal with it at the time um really wore me out when you're a kid you're supposed to be out having fun and playing and doing everything with your buddies and and that that was kind of limited for me for a short time um and then I got into cannabis roughly I was so maybe 14 15 when I uh, got a book called The Emperor's New Clothes, which kind of is a history of cannabis and um, kind of a detailed explanation of the history as far as timelines, um, where it went through prohibition, and then, of course, detailing the benefits and uses. Everything was footnoted, so that was interesting to me. It was like one of the first books I picked up where I could actually go look up a response and see that it was factual and very scientific versus just someone's opinion. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the door being opened. Um, so starting to use cannabis as I got into high school, my brother's a couple years older than me, so he kind of had an established set of friends that I just jumped on board with as soon as I got into high school. <laughs> so there we were using cannabis. Um, and Almost instantly, I, I noticed the effects of the allergies being tapered, the asthma not there anymore. I mean, to fast forward to when you know we moved out of town and, and up to Tahoe, I went from being debilitated on a couch to hiking 10,000-foot peaks in the middle of winter and just charging. And for me, that was like an eye-opener, you know, as far as how far-reaching the benefits can be. And that was, you know, a set of symptoms that is much less mild compared to what a lot of people suffer from and still are able to benefit from the use of cannabis with so it was it was an eye-opener to say the least to be able to understand that this plant that can grow from the tip of the north pole to the equator can help so many people Mm -hmm. and so from there you know, it was always, once cannabis became legal for medical use, we were always helping people out. Um, Carissa can attest to this. This is where she started to develop, develop some of her products and fine-tune. And it was just really cool to be able to get people the gear they needed to 
do something different for a, a remedy or a solution to a problem that they thought maybe wasn't attainable. So what is, uh, before we get into the, uh, all of the benefits that you guys have um, found from, from the plant itself, but also all of this tech that you guys are dealing with um, to extract the various terpenes and, and tinctures and everything that you're doing here, um, what exactly is it that uh, you want to see come of this? Um, I mean, what's your, what's your mission statement, I guess? Um, I think for Chris and I both, it's to expand people's knowledge and understanding of the therapeutic benefits of the plant. Um, it's, it's more than just people getting high. It's more than a fad. It's more than a quick buck. It's giving us, uh, you know, a, a much farther reach. And this, all of this in Nevada is still so fresh. Um, yeah. How how long has it been legal in Nevada at the, by this time the recording? Four years. It's only been it's it's been legal in Nevada for four years. For four years since 2016, that was the first round of licensing. So that was when the first dispensaries opened up in Nevada. It was medical use only, mm-hmm. and in 2018, rec was passed. So we've only had two years of rec. Wow. I believe it seems like it sounds like a longer time than that, but because of the ramp up process that it takes and how long you guys yeah. have been involved in, the, yeah. in this process, I mean, how long have, have the doors been open and that you guys have been operating now? Since July. Oh, so, and it's only been a couple of months. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So our first round of inspections was supposed to happen in March mm-hmm. and due to COVID they got canceled. So we had to call every single day and try to get an inspection to happen. And that finally did happen in July. And it's unprecedented how quickly things seem to be rolling in motion, even during a, a pandemic. We agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every time you, would get, you guys would give us a, an update on how things are going, I was expecting, no, due to COVID, got to wait some wait longer. But yeah. it's almost like you guys are fast-tracked. Almost like this was supposed, like this was meant to be. Parts of it were fast-tracked and parts weren't. The parts that weren't were obviously things that were out of our physical control. So, for example, the plans going through plan check took seven months. Mm. And a typical project, you know, maybe one to two at the most. But because of what it is, being a cultivation facility, and at the time of us doing this, um, the building department was going from paper to digital. So you could imagine all the overlapping, confusion, conflictions. And um, so that's one side of it. You take the other side of it where our partner Rick and I are builders. We come from a building background. He and I, along with a small team, you know, physically built this place from the ground up by hand. Mm -hmm. So plan check took seven months. Building the facility from the ground up took us six. Jeez. So it's basically... Uh, you know, a big box, but the intricacies of hooking up all of the gear after it was put in place was again where, you know, there definitely was some time involved in getting everything hooked up how we wanted it to work. Um, so that's, you know, uh, some of the, the longs and shorts. If it's anything that we have the potential of it being in our control, we get things done quick. And, uh, you know, when it comes to state entities or building departments and things like that, mm-hmm. Not so much, and that's you know obviously because of 
the strenuous, uh, you know, deal with COVID and everything else that's been happening. It's kind of set people off track with work and their schedules and everything else on down the line yeah. to even getting supplies and materials. Of course. So, yeah, yeah. Do you think that Nevada learned from maybe California's mistakes of, of getting into the medicinal to recreational and ultimately where you guys are today? I do. I do. And that's one reason we feel very fortunate to be in Nevada is California is a whole different entity. And to me, California seems to be, you know, um, giving out as much or as many licenses as possible. Not really much restriction on that. And it makes sense for a state that wants to get income. They get, you know, fees right out of the gate for these licenses and permits. Well, with no cap on it, you can imagine what that does to the cannabis community. All of a sudden, it's overrun with out-of-state money. It's overrun with material, um, you know, on down the line. And so for Nevada, I definitely think they took a good hard look. Just to kind of give you a a difference of, of states, Nevada only allows applications to be accepted every so often and for us at this timeline it was only every two years that they were accepting applications and during that timeline there was a two-week window that you could get your application submitted so they definitely went the other way with that which is good in my mind because it um, you know keeps the amount of cultivation and production lined up with the amount of storefronts it's not like you have a dispensary every 20 feet, which is very helpful to kind of maintain kind of, a, you know, an economy within cannabis and, and obviously having reliable sources for patients and people to go to. It's not just, oh, that one closed down. Let's go to the next one. Mm-hmm. People have a hard enough time, you know, going into look at cannabis medicinally, let alone if they don't know or get a warm welcome when they walk through the door. Uh, you know, information and knowledge, uh, what specifically is aiding to their ailment. Mm-hmm. All of these things can, you know, scare people away from a potentially great thing to help them. Yeah. So I, those are some of the things, the differences that I see personally between different states. And I'm really excited to get into the, the, the medicinal benefits that, that you guys are working on uh, specifically. But do you, you're only providing the real McCoy to Nevadans at this time. Correct. Do you foresee going over the border to California at all? When it becomes, you know, interstate, um, don't know. It depends on how big we are, yeah. you know, and, and, and if there's an, an opportunity to help more people, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think we're ways out from crossing those state lines just because of the federal stigmas. Um, I know banking's still kind of a big deal. Right. So I think once other walls are broken down, that could potentially happen. Maybe it won't. I you mean, just don't know. I even consider that there's there's still those federal laws in place that restrict people going from state to state. But I can be from California. We have a lot of listeners in California. They can come out to Nevada and, and get your products at specific dispensaries, right? Yeah. Yes, th- anyone that's 21 and older can go to any dispensary anywhere right. essentially and buy whatever they need and do you have a um like a, a separate line for medicinal and recreational or do your do your products all cross-pollinate basically 
they do cross pollinate and the reason why is because as soon as recreational came an option medical um kind of took a back seat only because in the beginning as a medical patient you were required to pay for an annual fee for a license you know ranging anywhere from 80 bucks to 200 bucks depending on what state you were in and then as soon as recreational hit well why would you go spend 80 to 100 200 bucks every year when you can get the same deal going in under recreational Mm -hmm. so that definitely muddied the water but you, you you still have higher dosage available under a medical license which is kind of a key aspect so you can get more benefit from a medical license as a patient but um, like I said kind of breaking down the difference between the two is what happened when people said let's go recreational with it gotcha well I'm really excited to see what the inner workings look like because last time we were here things weren't even I don't think the walls were even finished yet. You were still putting in some of the elements of the, uh, you know, the behind the scenes system. So um, is there anything else that you want to share before we get on this world famous cheddar tour? I do want to touch on, on the real reason besides my own personal experience and obviously helping other people over time. Um, Our partner, his wife um, is diagnosed with severe scoliosis and over time, you know, make a long story short, we were able to get her off of seven different type of opiates and pain pills. And she did a lot of the work herself. She did it cold turkey and really just kind of went for it and reaped the benefits almost instantaneously. And over the course of getting off of those pharmaceuticals, um, changed our partner and his wife's lives around so much that this opportunity was afforded to us and it was just crazy to me do you ever i mean did you even expect to to meet these folks and and, and, and help them and it just just happened never asked it was offered wow off of a, a simple gesture of kindness that's amazing which i still yeah it's tough yeah this is incredible, you guys. I'm so, I'm so excited for you and for the benefits that you can share for everybody. I mean, just to hear that story alone. Yeah. Get off so many medications, so many addictive, yeah. damaging medications yeah. for a healthier alternative. And I was lucky enough to meet, um, uh, I'm her sorry. partner, Rick. Yeah, your partner, Rick, and her, his wife. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I could tell, you could tell she's, she's an older woman. Yeah. And you could tell she's had some health afflictions, but she didn't act like it at all. No. She's a little spitfire. No. She's amazing. And yeah. you, you could never tell that she was on undergoing any of that kind of yeah. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. And, you know, there's, there's a place and a time. I'm not trying to, like, sell the idea that it's a cure-all, but... In a way, it is. If you take the time to figure out what works for you, not it is, it can be. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's obviously a place and a time, you know, if you need brain surgery, you're not going to go hit a joint and think you're going to be good. <laughs> Just, you know, oh, there's nice. those extremes. But for day-to-day ail- ailments that people suffer from mm-hmm. regularly, it's very a simple, very simple choice. Yeah. And that's that's kind of why we want to you know expand that horizon. Chronic pain, anxiety, uh, COPD. Yeah, and you know the, we don't even know what the benefits could be for um, even for kids. Like yeah. I know that there, that could be kind of a taboo subject too, but um, I know that 
if if adults can benefit, then why couldn't kids? Yeah. And maybe there's maybe there's a there's a there's an avenue there yeah. in the future. I agree. I think with all this relatively new, um, you know, diagnoses of you know attention deficit disorders and things like that that you find in kids. Um, not to mention more medically, for example, seizures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely benefits for all age groups. And luckily, there is so many varieties and so many different aspects of the plant that, you know, kids can receive beneficial treatment without getting high. Oh, yeah. C- you know? CBD supplements. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Awesome. And you guys are doing that too, right? You're doing CBD products as well yes we do have um a few strains in our stable that are uh cbd rich in addition to that uh, we've got some good friends um brb farms and mill street farms a couple of good groups that are out of gardnerville that just are getting into the realm of of pulling off hemp grows outdoors um bart who runs brb farms is a friend of mine almost going on 30 years now and um, so, yeah, I've worked very closely with, with you know, CBD-exclusive products as well coming into the future. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get on this. I, I know, Carissa, you said that this tour is world-famous. World yes, world-famous cheddar tour. <laughs> you have to pay our $20 admission to get yes, through this tour. Yes, it'll be $20, everybody. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, let's, let's see what you got out there. Yeah, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm. When you guys order like supplies and products, do you? It's obviously like wholesale. Yeah. But are, are are there like? Did that raise red flags when when you go and place orders for giant vats full of no, you know? Not so much because it's so. It's plant food. So it's all natural. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's not chemicals. Yeah. It's or, all ag. No. There's nothing that's not different from you know plant you know food food crops. Um, so there really is no red flags on that end of things, I don't think. That's awesome. Yeah. It's more so with when you're moving tons of money around and you're trying to, like, be sneaky about it that you get the red <laughs> Well, duh. It's like, you know, everyone, it just, you think back to shows, oh, offshore accounts, this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no matter what you do, if you're doing that, you're going to raise a red flag. Well, of course, of course. So for us, we actually got, we we're one of the last groups to get a bank, legit bank. So now we're... Fully above board. Nice. <laughs> yeah, guess what? We got a marijuana bank account. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. We're like the last ones to get it all because of Mina. Really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. They closed the door on marijuana businesses after us. Because well, we, we we're 13. We there was one other, and it was people we helped that helped us. The lab, 374 up in Reno, was constantly getting kicked out of banks because as soon as they figured out what they were doing, and their lab, Growing weed or selling weed, simply testing. Still, every time, bam, bam, bam. They lost like six bank accounts. So we were able to get them. They were literally the last. They were the last one. They're they're opening up another round towards the end of the year, and I have a contact there, and that's how I refer business over to them. But it's really neat because they... The federal government knows what they're doing. Right. So nobody's going to come in. I mean, obviously, they get audited more than a regular bank, but they all know what's going on. So as long as they keep their records straight, it's all good. That's huge. I mean, now you can actually do business out in the open, yeah. and it's all insured, and it's all legit. So how... 
I mean, that's how great. You can expense things yeah. like normal and not have to be <laughs> sneaky, yeah. you know? So it's pretty cool to be, uh, just as we're getting started to have this happen is, you know, very awesome and helpful nice. for sure as a business. So this is the facility. And earlier you were talking about it being massive, which is, it is, but on the scale of things, we're at about 12,000 square foot. So it's actually small for a commercial, you know, heading for a grow facility. But there's a reason for that. And that is for us to be able to kind of keep our arms around the quality of the products that we sell and uh, limit the interactions with multiple employees and just be able to do the work ourselves like we've done this whole time and the whole way. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to do this to help other people, but I don't want to, like, have someone else do it for me. Like, I'm just not, we're not those people. And it's, you know, we want to be here daily working and making it happen. So um, smaller scale for commercial is kind of what we went with. Mm -hmm. So for indoor indoor cultivation, just kind of some of the basic parameters are, like we talked about earlier, being able to control the environments. Um, cleanliness is huge when it comes to cannabis because every bit of it gets tested. But not only that, you want to have quality product, you know, regularly. Mm -hmm. So the cleaner the environment, the cleaner every process is, even though we know we're very heavily regulated, there still is room for you know human error and things like that to occur. So to kind of have your arms around it where you can keep that cleanliness you know, intact is pretty huge to our end product. So we designed this building to have multiple rooms for multiple reasons. The first is segregation uh, for cleanliness. Uh, the next one is to be able to cycle through more repetitively our crops. So we have three large flower rooms, a small fourth flower room, which is a research and development room. But the three flower rooms are staggered because most of our strains are nine-week strains that we're rotating and harvesting every three to three and a half weeks. So that gives the end user a variety. It gives us the ability to have multiple harvests annually. And again, the whole time keeping everything clean three weeks that's pretty quick right yeah well it is once you get everything started right so you know the first step for us was to get the mom plants here grow them big enough to take clones or cuttings which is just your next round of plants um, and then start to fill these flower rooms and each phase takes a certain amount of time so it's taken us this long to kind of get the ball rolling even though the building's been done for a minute um, but once we do get all the rooms filled, then that three, three and a half week cycle is from here until we stop. So it's, um, it's going to be cool to kind of get to that level and, and see how that, that goes. Well, the cleanliness is, you're, we're definitely taking it seriously. We're all wearing booties and lab coats and we're, we're keeping it official. Um, and it doesn't even smell like there's any marijuana in this building you can't i can't smell it at all i smell a little maybe maybe fertilizers and yeah, nutrients yeah, exactly um but i mean you clearly have gotten it dialed down where yeah. you can't even you wouldn't even know that you're growing yeah, marijuana yeah. in this place and that's kind of based off of my smaller operations in the past that were um you know there was definitely a need to kind of keep it undercover so to speak with neighbors and things like that um even though it was all done legally you still don't want to you know 
bum anyone out or, or make enemies that you don't need to be making. So basically all of the stuff that we implemented into this building has been taken from a smaller scale and it just simply upsized and, you know, um, kind of set up to handle the, the different load of, of, of odor or contaminants or anything else. I'm sure you're really proud to see like your little your experiments from the smaller scale on such a grand scale here, right? Like, yeah. is it is it some? Doesn't it make you feel really good to feel this? It year? does, and it's weird because it's been legal medically for quite some time, but I never really felt like I was out of a closet until now. Still, it's just weird. It's like 2020, man. And I don't know if it was because it was starting out back when it was you know not legal and considered a bad thing that has stuck with me up until now, but I'm well past that now, <laughs> obviously, and we uh, are an open book, and, you know, we have to be with the state entities as well, so there's nothing to hide and no shame in our game. Doesn't so. it take a little bit of the thrill out of it that it's, that it's no. legal now? No. Just a little bit? <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think that thrill is still there because of the scale. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now I really have to be on my game with everything that I've learned. Because there is so much at stake, you know, as far as um, much larger crops failing, you know, that's kind of a big deal. But that being said, um, we'll go kind of down towards the mechanical end and show you kind of those upscale devices that are doing the same things that I did on a smaller scale. Nice. Let's do it. Yeah. So just to kind of give an idea of the mechanical side of things, uh, traditional heating and air in houses and buildings is run through ductwork. AC units, boilers, heaters, and that works for those applications. For us, trying to keep things clean is how do we implement cooling and heating within a room without introducing foreign contaminants, dust, debris, things like this. So how we've modeled this building is similar to like what hospitals do. They have sterile rooms and sterile environments. Um, So instead of introducing air through ductwork, we have air circuits within the rooms that basically maintain that cleanliness. And how they do that is we're piping hot water and cold water to uh, basically um, fans or hydrocoils or air coils. And so that gives the room the ability to cycle cool and and warm air within itself without having to have outside Uh, interference or contaminants. Um, That's kind of the biggest thing for indoor cultivation is the ability, like we were talking about earlier, if you can give a plant everything it needs, nothing it doesn't, then it's going to flourish. So um, backups for everything. So you can see right here, this is kind of our hot loop. We've got multiple boilers. If one goes bad, there's a backup ready to go behind it. Multiple pumps. If they talk to each other via Bluetooth for that interaction. Um, A chiller is basically a large device that compresses cold air and sends it down the line to those fans and gives us that that ability to keep control over the environment. And you have such a limited crew here, you don't don't have to be here at all times. Like you said, it's all connected via Bluetooth, so you can monitor things remotely. Our software is pretty intense for the climate control system. It's, it's a bit of a step above other people's because it gives us the ability to tie in all the mechanical side of the building as opposed to just the environmental side of the growing. So having that freedom, like you just said, gives me the ability to monitor, make changes, see anything that's going on any time of the day from my phone, wherever I'm at. 
Yay, that's 2020. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, you, you, can, you can literally like fine tune the whole growing process just from your cell phone. Yeah. That is amazing. And for me, it's, it's making that leap to technology from basically just years of, of experience and, and what I know that style to something that's more tech, getting more numbers, getting more data, graphing things out, and taking my growing kind of to the next plateau. So we'll go take a look at uh, our vegetative room, which is where our teenage plants are. And- um, Punks. Yeah, teenagers. We're going to visit the teenagers. They're moving tomorrow. Oh. They're moving finally out. moving out. Oh, yeah. They're finally moving out on their own. Oh, we need sunglasses for this portion? Well, well, because we got to be hanging with the cool kids. Cool teenagers. How your eyes are. <laughs> <laughs> so this room is what you were talking about with uh, the bedroom. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Party. Whoa. <laughs> cool. So these are all females. Every plant in the building is a female. Got it. So it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing but ladies here. <laughs> no dudes. Cool. <laughs> so this is where plants uh, do their middle of life span, which is coming from a cutting that's rooted into vegetative state to grow them big enough to move them into a flowering room, which is where they'll finish and uh, produce those nice big fat buds that we all enjoy. So how many teenage plants are in here right now? Right now, I think we've got 187. 87 in here. Are you here. serious? Yeah. Each of the flowering rooms can hold up to 128 sites, but we also have that R&D room that we're filling this round. So that brings us up to about 160 total. Wow. And you always like to have more than you need in case you get some quitters or, um, yeah, you just find some that aren't as productive as others. Sure. And that's just in any any type of growing operation. It's just yeah. it's nature, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you can feel in here, back to the climate. Um, it feels so good. just right. <laughs> that's perfect. We've got mixed lighting so that we can give the plants um, more of a, a natural spectrum, which is mimicking what sunlight does. Uh, the air handlers we talked about are inside those cabinets there. So you can see the piping coming down the walls. That's the cold and hot water getting fed to those hydrocoils. And then it blows through this little bit of ducting we have inside the rooms yeah. and does a constant recirculation. Um, HEPA filters on top of those uh, air handlers as well as some UV sterilization lamps inside those air handlers maintain a, a pathogen-free environment for these plants, which allows them to do their thing when they're growing. If they're not busy fighting off pests, they're busy growing cell walls and increasing productivity. And like we talked about earlier, just reaching that full genetic potential. And because you have such a sterile environment, you don't have to worry about pests. Right? We spend time harvesting, maintaining, and, and looking at the data as opposed to fighting off pest disease and fighting with mechanical issues. Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask, like, what, how much maintenance, or general maintenance, goes into all of these bulbs and filters and... Filters get changed out fairly regularly because that's the first line of defense. Mm. So it's about every two months that we change out all the filters. 
Um, light bulbs will degrade over time depending on the size and style of the lamp. Those will get changed out to make sure we're getting maximum productivity. Part of our climate control system actually has sensors that read that light energy so it can tell us when we need to change out lamps. Um, nice. Again, just to kind of keep that maximum uh, you know, uh, ability to, to maximize on, on, on everything. What kind of, how many different strains are you growing in the teenage room right now? Right now we've got four different strains. Uh, Rainmaker, we've got Trop Santo. My favorite. Yeah. yeah. We've got the LA Kush Cake. Oh, I love that one too. And then we have, what's the one in here? This one's Don Mega. Don Mega. That's my yeah. favorite. This is the greatest hits, <laughs> yeah. people. We do multiples of four just because we have, uh, you know, quite a few strains that we want to show. But basically, when you, we go into the flowering rooms, you'll see it's broken up in four main rows. So until we get a feel for what the people really like, you know, we have the ability to fill one whole room with a certain strain. But we've got so much goodness, we want to see what the people are enjoying. They're yeah. all our favorites. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, there's not one bad strain you yeah. guys have produced. So. Thank it, you. Variety is the spice of life. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that these teenagers are moving out tomorrow. Yes, they're getting evicted. How long have they been in this room? And uh, I'm sorry if you've already said this. No, no. It's basically kind of based on that same three-week cycle. Yeah. So when we take a clone, you know, it's three to four weeks to get roots to pop out. Um, it can be closer than that, but again, we try to time everything out so that it's you know ready to go for the next phase so it's all based on three weeks basically okay so these have been in vegetative state they transplanted into these larger blocks three weeks ago so here we are they're at a point now uh, height wise where it's pretty much ideal to move into the next next phase they're all grown up yeah yep. they're all grown up <laughs> that's fantastic and then on the other side of it we've got clones that are sitting above up there that are rooting and ready to go into their next home so those yeah those babies are growing into kids yeah <laughs> they need a bigger room so they're going to fill these places spaces next nice yeah nice yeah i have never cloned a plant before and i've always been fascinated by the by the process and something magical about being able to take a clone and have it produce an exact genetic genetic duplicate of its parent mm -hmm. and um you know, that's the beauty of nature, right? Yeah. That's how we get Afghan Kush all the way over Imagine here, right? that. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> so even though it sounds and seems, you know, very scientific and very tricky, it's, it's actually a fairly simple process. Um, uh, it's simply taking a cutting or a shoot off of an existing plant, exposing some of the layers of, of skin, so to speak, at the bottom of Giggity. that stick, <laughs> uh, dipping it into a, a rooting hormone solution and getting it in, introduced into an environment where it can do its own thing and start to produce roots. That all sounds really sexy. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, making babies is a sexy process. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. It can be. <laughs> right on. So yeah, let's let's take a, another trip down to the next room and we'll check out one of the flower rooms. Awesome. Where are all the plants in this room? <laughs> they're in that room we were just in. This is where they're going to get moved to. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is their room tomorrow. Okay. So this is one of 
the three flowering rooms that are this size. Um, this is just kind of a good look at, you know, what they look like without plants in them to give you an idea of, of what we got going on in here. So the main differences from that last room we're into here is spacing. The plants are getting bigger. You don't want to crowd them. So we went from three trays down to two. Um, trellising, we've already got established here. This trellising is capable of moving up with the plants as they finish their stretching phase before they get into their flowering or before they finish their flowering phase. Um, so you can see the big thing here is air movement. And if you look at the location and the height of these tables, and you know that a finished plant's gonna be anywhere from five to six foot tall, fully mature, it kind of groups that whole set of plants in the middle of the room, almost floating them here in the middle. And that's for several reasons. The biggest is air movement. Um, for healthy plants, you know, you're trying to fight off pathogens and, and mold and, and over-humidified conditions. So the more you can move air around those plants from the root ball all the way to the tips and tops of them and in between them, you're going to have a healthier environment. And that just kind of adds to that cleanliness factor. I'm sorry, I just can't get past balls and tips. Um, <laughs> so these tubes down the center here, are those are for circulation, air circulation, right. right? So basically the air coils are at the opposite end of the room, so that's where the air gets drawn into. Okay. And then these tubes are actually perforated. So not only are they open on the ends to deliver the majority of the cooling air to the opposite side of the room, okay. but it's, it's cooling off the root zone through those perforations and allowing, uh, again, the roots to be happier um, because the cooler the root zone, the more uh, beneficial it is. The tops and canopies of the plants can be, you know, 20, 30 degrees hotter. Mm -hmm. But as long as your root mass is, is maintaining a, a nice temperature, then your plant's going to thrive. Now, it's not to say that we have that extreme of a temperature difference between the root mass and the tops or the canopy. I mean, bottom line, we've got enough cooling capacity with our chiller that we keep these rooms anywhere from 72 to 75 degrees, no problem. Yeah. So they're more than happy in those conditions. And then humidity adjusts uh, up and down depending on the, the phase of growth as well. So I know there's a lot of areas in, the, in California that are affected by these uh, power safety power you know they're, they're, they're cycling the power turning the power yeah. off um do you guys have to worry about any of that here or um and if you do do you have like a obviously you have a battery back, backups like a for your backups system. right so absolutely. uh just like everything here that you have multiples of we've got a an auxiliary power source which is a 150 kw gas-fired generator mm -hmm. that has the ability to power up everything that we needed to to maintain flowering cycles photo periods all the way down to security cameras, alarm systems. Um, every bit of it is on backup. Because that could be devastating. Yeah. You can lose so oh, yeah. many plants yeah. on that way. Yeah. 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 Interrupting photo periods is a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. So, again, it's just the redundancy and backups um, to ensure that the facility keeps moving forward. Where to next? Let's go to uh, the flower room. Stunna shades on. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, if only you could smell it. Now this is this is this is worth the price of admission right here. <laughs> this is beautiful. So this is day 20 in this flowering room. 
and you can see they're stacking quite nicely. So this lets me know that the environmental parameters here are, are working and they're happy and they're moving forward with uh, what they should be doing, which is creating those nice, nice big colas. Now the air is flowing a lot more in this room, it seems, than yep. the, the first yeah. couple so that's, rooms. Uh, those, those air coils have a, a fan speed device so that you can basically dim the, the speed of these fans. So as the plants have a demand for more cooling or heating, then uh, you can supply more or less air. Since there was no plants in that other room there, but I still want to like be keeping the bulk of the building at a certain temp, mm -hmm. that's why those fans are so low, is because there's really no need for them to be up this high. So you said this is day 20. How much longer do these have to go from this stage um, until they're so ready? What's, what's nine weeks minus, that's going to be six more weeks. Wow. Yeah. Six more weeks till they're till they're done, done, ready to be they'll be chopped in, and they'll harvested. Be in this room for yep. six more weeks. Yep. Wow. So they'll just pack on weight. At this point in time, they're no longer stretching vertically in growth. They're going sideways and um, stacking bud basically at this point. It smells like Christmas in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas is coming. Yes, yes it is. That's when we'll be ready to sell. Yeah. Is that is that like literally like the yeah, official? Yeah, literally, and we yeah. say it all the time. Christmas is coming. That is so cool. Yeah. All right. So this gives you a better view. Also, like we were talking about, um, how the plants are situated, kind of in the middle of the of the room. Mm -hmm. So you can now better understand that concept of airflow, and kind of uh, you know maximizing the cool breeze for every bit of the plants. Different lighting in here than in that last room. This is a uh, thousand watt HPS lighting, which is more conducive to flowering. Okay. More reds and oranges in it, and it really, uh, you know, helps the production of the the beneficial compounds, mm -hmm. being the THC and the CBD and those trichomes. Oil and resin production basically is is affected by lighting. Gotcha. So it's a spectrum that is uh, complete um, in giving these plants everything they need to to fruit or flower, basically. And these lights are on all the time? No. For a flowering period, you need 12 hours or less of light. That's what triggers flowering or fruiting in any plant. Got it. Much like outdoors, when you start out in spring and summer and you come into fall, your daylight hours are diminished. That's what triggers fruiting and flowering to come into harvest. So again, yet another way to manipulate nature indoors is having the ability to start and stop photo periods whenever you want it's so cool yeah so that being said these are only on for just under 12 hours a day yeah, yeah. and is you, you don't just use the plants for the flower you use it to extract uh, tinctures and oils and and how much waste comes away from the plant is anything wasted at all basically just the stalks okay and the root ball mm -hmm. and some of the larger water leaves that have no you know, beneficial use. All of those things can be composted. Um, there's a few different groups around here locally that do composting. So we're reaching out to uh, see if we can get involved with them as well. And would you compost and bring that back in to, to your... We uh, wouldn't because we are only running the rock wool for our medium. So once that is done and finished, um, you're basically just getting a new piece of rock wool 
to start a new plan and a new life cycle in. That's why this plant is so sustainable. Yeah, yes. exactly. This is incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. It's so <laughs> cool to see just from your small operation and from plans to production. Yeah. It's incredible. Let's go take a look at the, uh, the lab and the kitchen and we can get more into the production side of things. Nice. Yeah. So what do we do in the lab here? So in the lab, what you're doing is extracting the beneficial compounds from the plant, separating it from the plant, and getting it into a form where we can introduce it into some of our healing products, such as our topical salves, creams, tinctures, um, all of those things. It's basically refining it. So I like to look at it like refining oil into gas because that's kind of relatable and easy to do. So what you're doing is, is you're um, grinding up plant material. And by that, I mean close trimmings, small buds that aren't desirable or visually appealing to be sold as flour that is being used to extract those very valuable compounds that there's plenty of um, in something that might otherwise be considered a waste product. So what you're doing is, is you're refining or trimming that cannabis into a form much like uh, about the consistency of tobacco or the size and shape and feel of like dried tobacco. And what that's doing is it's opening up more physical surface area for those compounds to be released from. So what we're doing is, is we're loading a vessel with that ground up product, roughly seven to nine pounds can go in here per run. We're running a CO2 extraction, several types of extraction. CO2 is, um, you know, a very clean way uh, and although most you know, claims are that these gases and things that are used for extraction are fully recovered, I think it's pretty early on in the scheme of things to know if it's you know, any residual effects based on the style of um, extraction. So we went for just something that's known to be more cleaner, which is CO2. Maybe not as productive on the yield side of things, but who cares when you're talking about you know, quality and safety and everything else. So what you're doing is you're basically just forcing CO2 gas under pressure and temperature across that plant matter for a certain amount of time based on the amount of pounds that you have in here. And you're getting a crude oil that you're recovering in a cup down below here. Cool. So the recovery of the crude is basically the point of which oil comes out of the ground in Texas and you're going to take it to the refinery. Mm -hmm. So from there, what we do is a process called winterization. And even though you were able to extract the oils and the compounds that you're looking for, you have some things in there still in that crude that you want to filter out. Waxes, fats, lipids from the plant. So to do that, we use ethanol and a deep freezer. So you'll basically separate that crude oil out into jars evenly. You'll add ethanol. You'll suspend that into the deep freezer, which actually will eventually separate those waxes and fats. It takes those cold temps in 48 hours of time to do that because it's so deep in that, that crude that it takes that much time and interaction to get that separation. And then from there, you do three phases of filtration, which is basically just sucking that mixture across a filter. And uh, you know, you'll see the first filtration, you got a nice thick stack of wax and it's fluorescent yellow. And, toss that and you go for the next phase and there's barely anything on that one. By the time you get to the third, it's, you can't even hardly tell. 
so from there you want to recover that ethanol so um, that's where we come over to the this gear over here which is called a rotovap and it's basically going to vaporize the ethanol and allow you to recover it so it's kind of like a still you know like with alcohol so what you have is a jug that is filled with your oil right this whole thing sets down into this hot water bath here and it rotates and then you have a vacuum pulling that vapor off of the top so what happens is when that warm vapor hits that tube inside there that's got chilled water running through it the second it hits that you get a condensate which is your ethanol and it recovers it all fully into this chamber here and I'm talking when you put it in it looks dark brown or black the ethanol is crystal clear under this process when you're evaporating it and it's fully reusable and recoverable wow yeah so that um, portion of it you know separates basically that that physical liquid that was doing the separation for the fats and waxes you're now pulling that back out and then what you're left with is your pure co2 oil nice um, you can further distill that and get a distillate which is again just going into separation so say here we're at unleaded and you want to make race gas you can go to another level of refinement similar process and pull you know terpenes you can pull you know certain compounds just THC getting just the CBD to further refine and and make a variety of more products we keep hearing about terpenes and I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about that um, so is this like a newer um, development in in the process of cultivation or? they've always been there and they've always been in everything that you eat smell taste it's just something that has come to light as far as like enlightening people and users um, on you know what they are and what they do Carissa knows a good amount about uh, the terpenes and the profiles um, I don't know if you want to kind of explain the terpene a little bit more further. Yeah, so terpenes are the essential oils of the plant and what they have their own benefits, basically. So when people pull terpenes, they look at, say, limonene, they know that energizes, that's a mood elevator, it's going to make you feel happy. So say we want to take that terpene and introduce it into a distillate cartridge or we want to put it in a topical where you're going to be smelling it and feel that uplifting effect so there's different things in terpenes that are desirable for the end user so there's myrcene that's a wonderful pain reliever it's great in topicals it's calming there's a lot of mood elevating terpenes. There's, I mean, bronchodilators. So it's great in, say, we make a respiratory sap. So if you rub that on your chest, it helps your oxygen saturation. So we have COPD patients, like we mentioned before, that were on oxygen and we're told they would never get off oxygen. Well, we whipped up a few things and now people are walking around without oxygen. So, I mean, for years. There's definitely benefits to terpenes, and the public is getting more educated on those. And I'm sure we'll go into detail on what, what yeah. the, the different yeah. kinds and what they do. There's a lot of different terpenes, awesome. for sure. It's also a flavor aspect, aside from those compounds being helpful. Um, you know, it's what gives a plant its smell. Um, it's okay. what gives citrus, you know, a citrus smell. Mm -hmm. It's the terpenes that are in the peel and the, the, the cell walls themselves of everything that's grown um, 
that is, is considered those terpenes and that's, that's what they are. It's just a term that people aren't as familiar with. It's almost like you go from, oh, THC, CBD, and then all of a sudden everyone grasps what that means. And then the next set of, of terms was terpenes and everyone's like, what's a terpene? And it's okay, so on down the list it goes. And there's so many compounds in cannabis that are still being researched, discovered, and on and on. But um, that's kind of the next step for us as a group of being you know, helpful to people is try to educate people on these terms, what they mean, so that when they go to not just you know, a dis- any dispensary, they can say, oh, I have this ailment, and I did my own research, and I'm looking for something with this terpene profile. So it's a way of, of getting people to understand the compounds, and it's not too terribly difficult, you know what I mean? It's, you know, limited research, you would be able to figure out what's ailing you and then figure out a terpene that's helpful. I mean, it's, it's that easy, you right. know, but still for the majority of people in, say, older generations that are still trying to get, you know, caught up on the benefits, um, it's, it's much easier for us to be able to enlighten them or, or teach them so that they go into it feeling more comfortable and more knowledgeable and less of that stigma. You know, if they can understand kind of the, the history and, and, and research and, and, and development of these products, then they're going to have a better understand, a better feel walking into a dispensary and not be so put out by the whole, it's a drug thing. Right, and it, it, because there's so many new new things to learn, that's why you guys have your R&D department here, right? Is is that so you can expand on the various compounds that are available? That's still going down more so here in the lab and the kitchen, but what that R&D room is doing is giving us the opportunity to grow the same strains in the same physical conditions, but say if we wanted to test drive a different nutrient line for our plants or a different lighting scenario for our plants, then we would have real side-by-side comparisons, which down the line will go into, you know, again, maximizing that genetic potential. So in, uh, you know, a long way, it does kind of aid with that research from our end because it's going to tell us if we're, you know, lacking something or if we can improve upon something, whether it's an environmental factor or a nutritional factor for the plants. It's all learning what they want because they can't talk only by showing us, you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a game with lighting and such. It's come a long way. LED lighting is kind of a big thing and, and always has been. But there's, you know, just different things like that that are always furthering a grower's ability to make that plant reach its potential. Speaking of technology, this, this lab is... A, basically a glorified version of your kitchen right Carissa yes, like this was your real house before <laughs> yes. this came to be so how cool is it to be, go from I mean I'm sure you're using traditional methods just in your kitchen to using state-of-the-art equipment like this it's really unbelievable honestly it's been a true gift and we've been able to work with people training us in this lab that you know their knowledge is priceless so it's been pretty crazy how's the learning curve been from going to like say the stove to you know like i mean i don't i'm not not trying to demean the process but it's totally different right it was actually a lot more labor intensive out of my kitchen than it is now yeah oh yeah sure so now it's easy because we can set it and kind of forget it for the day and it's a it's also just the scalability again it's yeah 
okay, it's it's really opened up the doors for volume mm-hmm. is the other side of it. Oh, yeah, I've never seen that much cannabis oil in my life. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Just as an example, you know, like one run of seven pounds was able to produce 650 grams of pure CO2 oil, which is... 6,500 milligrams or doses in any given cannabis product. So again, it's just um, volume and, and uh, better, more proper ways of, of getting to that, that final product. It's going to be really cool to see the numbers as things progress and yeah. see like, you know, just the yield and yeah. how much you can produce out of an out of a operation like this. Yeah. I mean, I, you guys are probably going to be setting industry standards. Well, at some it's, point. It, we hope to, you know, we hope to be different. And our goal is that by the design of this facility and our attitude and outlook on cannabis, that we're going to reach, um, you know, new heights and, and different aspects that, that are still yet to be tapped into. Kitchen time. What's cooking in the kitchen? What are you guys going to be producing in the kitchen? For sure, we are going to be making therapeutic grade pain cream because it helps a lot of people in, for different ailments. So it's great for pain. And then respiratory salve. So that's to help with oxygen saturation. If you have a cold, if you're on oxygen, if you have asthma, anything like that, it can help. Just open it up and raise your saturation. It, could that be good for, like, say, panic attacks? Like, I mean, obviously it's, it's more focused on the respiratory, but is it, does it have, like, that calming effect, do it you think? It does have a calming effect, yes. And when you put it on, it, we kind of encourage you to focus on your breath, so that can also help with anxiety and panic attacks. So I think they work cohesively together. And we do use a lot of calming essential oils in the salve. So... Yes, it could help. Now you can't eat pain cream and you can't eat uh, salves. No. Are you going to be making any edibles in here too? We are going to be making edibles. We, um, we do make a really wonderful gummy right now. We are going to look into making a hard candy and sugar-free options for people. We are looking into different options for baked goods. It's trickier because of the shelf life. Um, Cured meats even are on the table. So. I've heard of this. So that's yeah. kind of infused uh, jerky, right? Yes, infused jerky has been brought to my attention lately, and I can't get my mind off of it. I, I want it. I want I'm it sold. Too. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we are definitely not crossing anything off the list for sure. And there's the possibilities really are endless. I mean, endless. it's just yeah. whatever you can preserve, and you know. Put on the shelf whatever is needed in the market we want to provide yeah and i think the the deceptive sites on the the salves and the creams and the candies first is a, is a good starting point you don't want to yeah. overwhelm yourself right no we're going to have a small product line anyway we want to be more of a boutique style top shelf cultivation and production facility i like the focus on quality over over quantity yeah Absolutely. we're not trying to be everywhere and we're not trying to produce everything right we just want a few really great products okay so you guys are big on education now educate me no i'm just kidding um <laughs> 
you, we've stressed a lot about um, your desire to educate the masses on, and, and maybe alleviate some of the stigma that, that is out there about marijuana. I mean, it's not all about getting high. Um, and I know that me personally, I've had some recent events that I um, could have probably benefited from having something uh, focused on anxiety, stress, lack of sleep, lack of appetite, all the stuff that ultimately led up to this seizure episode that I had uh, last this last week. Jeez, man, it's going to be a week tomorrow. Um, so... What could I get? What what would I benefit from um, specifically that that you know of in the strains that you've produced and and you know the different terpenes and based on that kind of diagnosis, how would you what would you prescribe me? Well, first let's let's take a look at how it interacts with with humans in general across the board. Um, to kind of give people an idea of, of how it works. So your brain has receptors which basically take on compounds to you know, give said effects. So a receptor site is basically kind of like a lock and key scenario where the compounds that we're talking about fit into those receptors in humans and animal brain brains uh, sites basically uh, like a lock and a key. So it's it's showing you that, that this was, you know, furthering the science of how the interaction between plants and humans work. Um, I think one thing that's, that's uh, important to note, too, with cannabis is, you know, in the lab we were talking about uh, refinement and, you know, emphasizing pulling certain compounds. I think the biggest thing that we've taken away from the products that we've made and the experiences we've had with people is the synergy of all of those compounds, not just some. Sure, you can take some to, you know, specifically target certain things, but for us, it's it's kind of that overall picture. And by that, I mean, if you take a plant and get it tested for THC, you're going to find several other compounds, CBD, CBG, just a, a host of compounds that were obviously put in this plant for a reason. And from, you know, all that we've experienced, it's because they work together. Um, and then you add in things like, um, you know, therapeutic grade essential oils, which is something that Carissa, you know, utilizes in her topicals, her salves. And that's just furthering the idea that the synergy between plants working together to, you know, lock into specific sites or receptors in humans is where you're getting that crossing of the veil so to speak of how the interaction works so now for um you specifically and the issue that you had um some of the uh the healing terpene profiles are going to be like say what you'll find in our secret cookies by cushmints which is uh the terpenes they got kind of funny names so bear with me i'll just name through a few of them here pinene caryophyllene limonene um, lilanol, myrcene. So these are all those terpenes. Um, there's a host more as well. Yellow number five. Is that Yellow what you number five. Um, <laughs> yeah, but for you exclusively, our secret cookies by Cushman's is rich in pinene and lilanol and osamine. These are three that are basically helping relieve um, memory improvement, mood disorder, 
anxiety and depression. It's aiding with sleep. Um, Lylanol is also an anti-convulsant. Uh, osamine is an anti-inflammatory, antiviral, antifungal. So as you go down the list, you can see that as people gain knowledge of these terpene profiles, they can specifically target what ails them and try to seek out a product that is high in, in those certain terpene profiles. How, now, how did you develop, or how did you get this information on these specific um, um, it's, compounds? It's, it's, it's well known enough now to where anyone can just Google them. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, you might find variances in descriptions, but the, the main, you know, set of, of 13 or 16 of the top uh, terpene profiles are going to be um, very easy to, to look up to see beneficial side effects of them. And there's enough experience with with those various compounds yeah. already to back yeah. all of that up. And it's and it's in at least a, a way for a a person to walk into a dispensary and have an idea of what they're looking for for a terpene profile. Mm-hmm. And then of course they can try a product. Did that work for me? Did it not? And go from there. This reminds me of like an old Eastern medicine store that you would walk into and you'd say, my kidney hurts. And then they make yeah. up a special tea with, you know, various herbs and spices that they have in unnamed jar, unmarked jars. Yeah. And, but this is like to a whole, like more scientific scale. Obviously yeah. there's science in what they're doing too, but this is, just, it's, it, there's a very similar, um, you know, relativity to that. To that. And exactly. it, and it's almost like the key word here is synergy. Yeah. And all of these compounds help the human body work more synergistically. Yeah, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there in that there's been recorded events of cannabis use from continent to continent 5,000 years B.C. as far as when they can date back to find out you know, what civilizations used this plant for. So that's a pretty big deal, pretty far-reaching. And it lets you know that it's been used for therapeutics for quite some time. So to get past a section of time where it was prohibited and or illegal and come full circle to a time where, okay, now we can all get back on board, the more technological advances that you know science and doctors have and, and the medicine community has, it's just going to further the... Uh, you know, the research on all these compounds because they're so wide-ranging and there's such a variety of them. And they're so achievable. They're, 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 it's right here in our, yep. in our hands. It's not like there has to go through, you know, FDA trials nope. or, you know, it's, and it's all natural. Exactly. It's not going to damage your body to the point where you can't use your liver or kidney anymore. Less because, processing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically there for us and we're here to get it out to the people. So we talked about specifically like what would help me, but what else, what else can we expect from benefits of these other compounds that we know about that you guys are focusing on? There's so many. I mean, it's, it's like throw a dart at a dartboard and you can hit an ailment that cannabis can help. That's awesome. At least offset and or, you know, get you to a point to where, you know, you're, you're not feeling those, those, those things or having those issues. Again, there's limitations based on, you know, physical, actual problems. But for the most part, there's a lot that cannabis can help. And, and that's where, you know, this education is kind of coming in. Yeah, I agree. 
Do you concur? I do. <laughs> to I be, concur. To be fair. <laughs> you said it perfectly. Well, yeah. And uh, I'll just go through a quick list sure, of, sure. of some things that, 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 that cannabis can help. It can help with uh, sleep aid, muscle relaxant. It's uh, anti-inflammatory, mood disorders, improving immune systems, digestive aids, antibacterial, antifungal, anti-tumor, analgesic, um, neuroprotectant, axi- uh, antioxidants, antihistamine, anti-cancer, bronchodilators, um, appetite suppressant, antihistamine, uh, a host of mood disorders from anxiety to depression. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. And- uh, appetite suppressant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you usually associate marijuana with having the munchies. How do you do? Well, does it work in the reverse? That's basically uh, you're going to find that in hum- humulene, which is basically another terpene profile. So if you can specifically seek out uh, a strain that is high in that, you're going to be seeing those anti or, or, or appetite suppressant features to that terpene. Really? Yeah. So again, it's it's more specific as you go down the list. Which is why we're trying to encourage people to understand the difference between them so that, again, they can target um, certain ailments and needs. And all of, these, all of these strains that you're producing now or plan to produce will be able to help in, in all of these separate facets? Yeah, yes. we've got, uh, I think we got about 16 total uh, strains in the stable. And we tried to be selective in that we wanted to make sure that we could kind of cover a wide variety of, of these ailments. So we make sure that we have you know a good a good op- option and a, a good amount of, of all of these to to help people out and i thought last time we spoke you guys were contemplating the idea of a, of a website and maybe like having a uh, a diagnosis uh, research center like maybe somebody could put in their ailment exactly and then it would direct them to whatever terpene or compound that would uh, help with their yeah with their we, we want to take it a step further to once people understand the, the terpenes, then okay, where do you go from there? So that's exactly what we're going to try to do: is get a, a, a setup so where people can actually, you know, delve further into, okay, what do I do next, or what products should I be looking for next? Mm-hmm. Because not everybody has the ability to smoke cannabis. So there, you have another group that's going to be splitting and going, okay, well, that's great. What do I do for me? I don't smoke weed. Okay, that's where you have a topical or an edible. Mm-hmm. Again, if you don't want to feel necessarily the psychoactive effect, then you're going to go to a third phase, which is you know basically topicals or something that can be introduced where it's not getting into your bloodstream or um, you know assimilated to where you're going to feel the psycho effects of cannabis. And that's you know why CBD is kind of a huge thing as well, right. because it does have similar beneficial compounds, but again, it's it's the combination of both. You know, whether you do one-to-one or one-to-two or, you know, strictly THC or strictly CBD, uh, it's it takes a bit of time to get to where you need to be as an individual because everyone reacts differently mm-hmm. to all of these compounds. And so, um, it's, it's again, it's going to be another aid for us to kind of help people down the line to 
more specifically target their specific needs. And you can get so specific that it could even be situational where people can't use certain products because they ha- they can't test for THC Correct. at all. Yeah. So if you even if you're using a topical, you know, if there's just a little tiny little bit of THC in there and they can test positive for something, they can't drive their truck or yeah. you know, can't be a doctor. Yeah. Whatever the case may be. So there's ways around that. It's just a matter of just honing in on that yes. specific Thing, yep, exactly. they're going for exactly it, the, the possibilities are endless yep it's so cool it's a magical plant it is <laughs> in so many ways and we do have a website we currently haven't included that feature yet mm-hmm. where you can type in your ailment and it'll recommend which product of ours we make but um, we do have a website therealmccoy.us and we're still it's still a work in progress but we do have a website up and running I'm going to write that down. Yeah, that's, that's, that's on our list to get, get built out. Nice. To make it easier for people to, um, again, it's for some folks when they go into a dispensary, they're kind of weirded out by the whole scene, especially if they're of a generation where it's new to them or they're, you know, got some apprehensions. It allows them to do their own research at home and um, still get to understand why we're here and what the real McCoy has to offer. So um, it's just another tool to help people, you know, get the correct experience because the last thing you want to do is be guessing and or going for something that you don't know if it's going to work and it doesn't and it gives you a, a bad effect and not necessarily bad as in, you know, physically, but some people just aren't into that psychological high that the cannabis can provide. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are definitely into it for that, right. but yeah. um, it's 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 you just want to present it in a way to where people that are new to it can feel comfortable and um, get what they need. How cool would it be to have a bud tender that's loaded with this type of information? Yeah, I mean, nine times out of ten, I go to a dispensary and the bud tender is like, I ask them, you know, what what would you recommend for you know this. For the upper or the downer, mm-hmm. I'm having migraines, whatever the case may be. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, check this out. This is the, this is the you know, the, the top shelf stuff, and you yeah. know, they're just pushing the brand because that's what they're told to do. Yeah. Yes. But if somebody, if there was an establishment that had more information and more education, then I, it would cater to a wider variety of people, and I think that they could do a lot more and do a lot better. Yeah. We if they had those tools. They become place. more of a cannabis consultant instead right. of a bud tender. Right. <laughs> I think they prefer cannabis consultant over bud tender. Is that what that is Yeah, now? I think yeah. bud tender is bad. I'm not woke. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get woke. <laughs> we just well, got woke last week. Really? Yes. To me, it's the difference, like you just said, someone just slinging something because that's what they got the most of on the shelf right. versus someone that, that actually takes the time to express the knowledge and, and be helpful. Uh, that to me is more indicative of a consultant mm-hmm. than a bud tender. So um, you know there is both styles out there. Sure. So like you're saying, it's it's not all on the shoulder of a uh, a, a consultant or someone that's that's working at a dispensary because you know bottom line it's 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 up to the individuals to be more responsible as far as like oh, what, what do they really want right. you know to get steered in the right direction. We definitely plan on providing them that platform to yeah. to learn and figure out what they need instead of being rushed. Feeling uncomfortable at the dispensary, we don't want them to feel that way. We want them to come in, 
get that full experience, the education they need. And, and right now in the time of COVID, they, they're maybe not even getting to interact with the cannabis consultants. They're having to stand in line outside and being brought their stuff. They're not even being allowed into the dispensaries to see the products available to them. So how are they getting educated on what they actually need to help them? So we hope to provide that to them. It's an excellent platform to provide. And I think that Cannabis consultant? Really? Yeah, they're cannabis <laughs> consultants. So barista is a coffee consultant? Now? I think is they're it? coffee consultants <laughs> for sure. Really? Yeah, no, I don't know for sure. Uh, well, <laughs> and I can see how, you know, with all this information, it could be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. for, for somebody to digest all of it, um, I think just by having that, that website, just, just to have the, agree. The, the place to go. Um, but it's also, like it's like well, the difference between you and Rob being called DJs. Yeah. Oh no no no. I, I totally and, and engineers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but you know when you're when you're pitching your product too, like when you when you're working with uh, dispensaries in the in the future, it's one of those things that you, it could be a selling point. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're you're stressing the education and in, in the more um, broad spectrums of the benefits of the plant more than you know making a quick buck mm-hmm. so when you're working with those people you build those foundations and then you know ultimately it will trickle down into the exactly and that's the, what we're trying to do right now build wanna, those relationships yeah, you want yeah. people coming back because they found something that worked for them mm-hmm. and they you know are getting the help they need like legit it's like okay versus oh, that sucked. I'm not even going to think about cannabis ever again and go back to my pills or whatever the case may be. Right. You know, it's yeah, some people ride that line right out of the gate because they don't know the difference. So if you can get them on the right path, then they'll be benefiting from it and telling their friends and, you know, living a better life, basically. The real McCoy. The real McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so the real McCoy dot US. Yes, the real the McCoy. The real McCoy dot US. Exactly. Got it. We can't forget about the Instagram page. Yeah. Because cool. you guys are doing something really special on Fridays. You're doing yes. friend flower Fridays? Our friends who love flower Fridays. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's a real right off tongue the top. twister there. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a raffle every single Friday, so we're posting a picture of Brandon, and maybe he's going to bring some friends in the future, but we're for sure posting Brandon, cardboard Brandon, in the garden, and when you see him, we are raffling off t-shirts and stickers and pins, and we're making little masks and pins so we're going to be giving away lots of fun stuff and And so our uh just real quick so that the instagram website is at the real mccoy underscore nevada got it and that's where you can see the progression of our build out um you know uh, the rooms as they progress further into their flowering schedules and you can get a a look at the, the flavors we have and the work we do in the lab. Yep, our different processes. As well as getting more up-to-date information on these terpene profiles and the benefits. Uh, we do one on Tuesday. Yep, every Tuesday we terpene educate Tuesday. about terpenes. And then on Mondays we give up close shots of our trichomes. So we do macro Mondays. 
And those are some of my favorite yeah. because the the macro shots are it makes your plants look so alien. Yeah. It looks or like they're like underwater. underwater. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, sea so cool. creatures. I agree. <laughs> I like to have some of the real McCoy and look at macro mandos. Yes. Yeah, I love it. It's like National Geographic yeah. it's kind so of pictures. Cool. So yeah, cool. I like I the root ones. zone shots too because yeah. it really shows you how yeah. nutrients go from a reservoir into the plant it's just yeah it's so pretty cool. awesome <laughs> and so the real mccoy underscore nevada on instagram uh, look out for the giveaways on friday so all they do is just like what? tag their tag their, s- tag their friend tell us what you love about cannabis and why or what your favorite product is and then the following monday we announce the winners awesome and you both win you and the person you tagged dang you guys are generous all right. yeah. we're trying to get our brand out there <laughs> that's fantastic well, I'm so excited for you guys, and thank you so much for letting uh, me and Mrs. Brandon along for the whole ride uh, so far. It's been wonderful to see this thing grow from the ground up with you guys. And well, thank you, guys. Uh, we love you, and we think that we just this is going to be a it's going to be huge. Thank you guys are going to oh, change change the world of marijuana. Thank it's, you. It's amazing. We hope so. Yes. <laughs> the real McCoy US or the real McCoy underscore Nevada at uh, Instagram. And is there any other social medias we need to hit? I don't is think so. Facebook, we're just the real McCoy on Facebook. Awesome. I'll make sure to share all these links as well in the show notes as well as the uh, at ratradio.com. And uh, thank you so much, Cheddar. Yes, thank you so much. We love you. Namaste, bitches. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> the Rad Podcast. The Rad Podcast. 